Hello and welcome to Radio 43. This is a new weekly podcast series from Hope Not Hate. Each week on this show, we'll be releasing a rapid anti-fascist intelligence report coming straight from us to you in 15 minutes or less. This is a podcast designed for anti-fascists and journalists and really anyone interested in the day-to-day activities of the far right. This podcast takes its name from the 43 Group, an inspiring set of post-war anti-fascists who fought off the threat of the far right and whose memory lives large in the collective consciousness of those combating the far right today. My name's Roxana Khan-Williams. My name's Nick Spooner. And each week, either myself or Roxy will be sitting down with Joe Mulhall, Hope Not Hate's senior researcher, to pick out some key moments and developments from the previous week. Welcome to Radio 43. Hey, welcome to episode nine of Radio 43 from Hope Not Hate. Uh, I'm Nick. I've got Joe and Roxy here as ever. We're in the middle of a heat wave here in the UK. Um, how are you two coping? Are you just, are there just kind of two puddles of melted human where you once stood or are you managing to stay cool? It's miserable, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty sweaty over here. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold, holding it together. How are you? How are you, Nick? Oh. Yeah, good. Um, I always manage to stay cool, so don't, don't worry about that. Uh, oh, cringe. God, that, that was terrible. <laughs> oh, was, oh. I'm going to blame the heat on that one. That was yeah, awful. Yeah. Um, right, so we've got lots to get through. Let's, let's crack on. Um, first of all, quite a few patriotic alternative people have been talking about us this week, um, haven't they, Joe? Yes, uh, big fans of the podcast, aren't they, by the sounds of it? So I'm glad, they, <laughs> I'm glad they're all, all listening, which is very nice of them. Uh, if they'd like to, please do donate to keep the podcast going. You can get, do it on our website. Um, but yeah, basically last week we talked about all this infighting that's going on. Uh, currently, there's a big split going on. And uh, uh, this was kind of talked about briefly in the, in the Daily Mirror article that came out on Sunday that unfortunately focused, I think, quite heavily on this camp that they had that we talked about last week, but um, didn't mention enough really about how, how much turmoil PR are in at the moment with lots of kind of infighting, people leaving, and lots of kind of, we're picking up lots of disquiet about Collet really. Uh, and lots of just lots of the old BNP lot hate him. So there's lots of interesting stuff happening there. Um, there's a guy called Charlie Big Potatoes, real name Chris Kearns from Birkenhead. And uh, he, uh, he kind of wrote about the podcast uh, and he said, there's no infighting. They've just basically like cleaned house is what he kind of said. He said, we no longer tolerate pisshead nationalism, <laughs> uh, which, uh, which I don't believe, but this was kind of also tied into, he's got this, uh, do check it out, it's absolutely brilliantly comical Telegram channel, which is for like fitness and PA, because he's their head of fitness now. And um, if you haven't had a look, do go look at it. It's basically just pictures of each member of Patriot Alternative with their top off. Um, so he kind of came out to that. And then there was Laura Towler, who's the leader, and, and Sam Melia. Sam is her husband. Um, he's the former uh, member or activist of the now banned Nazi terror group National Action. He was also the guy that ran 100 Handers, the sticker campaign. And they've got a new podcast out this week where rather peculiarly, considering they're married, I presume they're in the same house when they record it, they're, they're split screened. <laughs> um, uh, but again, they talked about us and, and they claim, Roxy, that you, that you by mistake randomly walked into their, uh, into <laughs> their camp at the weekend. 
I know, yeah. And I, apparently I'm blonde and from London and an intern here at Hope Not Hate, which is just, you know, excellent all round. Um, yeah, I did laugh. I laughed at the, the way they think that we get our information is by randomly sending <laughs> you to walk into their camp by mistake. <laughs> Incognito, Roxy. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm sad to have missed out on it, to be fair. And the BLM t-shirt does sound really nice that I was wearing. But... Well, that's the other thing that made me laugh, right? So the way they think that Hope Not Hate gets this information is by sending you in a BLM t-shirt to walk <laughs> through their camp. Hello, yeah. um, it's excellent. But, yeah, uh, as undercover operations go, that would be pretty low down the list of... Uh, of successful <laughs> ones i think yeah um funny. right let's crack let's let's get into our first story we're going to talk about talk about anjim chowdhury um he's uh he's just had his ban on public speaking lifted it was lifted yesterday midnight um he was released on license in 2018 from belmarsh um and he's been having to stick to sort of 20 or so i believe different conditions um for his release um but as of yesterday he's now free to give talks um and uh, speak to the media um but this doesn't mean that every single mainstream media organization should be amplifying him in the way that they were doing a few years ago let's just be absolutely clear about that straight away um but joe let's let's go to you because you wrote our gateway to terror report on chowdhury and al mahajaroon a few years ago could you just give our listeners a bit of a, a bit of a reminder of his um of his past yeah, right. So, so Anjum Chowdhury ran this organization called Al Majaroon. He kind of was technically run by a guy called Omar Bakri Mohammed. But Anjum Chowdhury eventually became the leader, and, and Al Majaroon became this international network of Islamist terrorists. Um, kind of while it was kind of primarily based in the UK, it had groups and networks that went all over the world uh, and engaged in kind of terrorism that killed people. Uh, and originally, of course, Anjum Chowdhury and Omar Bakri Mohammed were quite comical figures to the media. You know, there was these documentaries that made Omar Bakri Mohammed look look funny, and Anjum Chowdhury was deemed as this clown that you'd bring onto television, and and he would say outrageous extreme stuff. And they did say outrageous extreme stuff. You know, after 9/11, they had a conference called the Magnificent 19, where they kind of venerated the terrorists, and they were all constantly on the on on the media. You know, they were always Anjum Chowdhury was forever being brought onto things like Newsnight and the radio, etc., to talk about it even though the vast majority of the British Muslim community obviously absolutely hated the guy and opposed him. He was brought on as this spokesperson. And this was at the height of things like the English Defence League, right? So you had Tommy Robinson on one end and you had Anjum Chowdhury on the other presenting this really false debate in the public discourse. And it was really unhelpful. With time, of course, things changed a little bit in terms of what happened with ISIS, right? So you see the rise of ISIS, you start to see a number of people from uh, al Majaroon head out to fight in Syria as foreign fighters. And then of course you also see a series of terror attacks that involve people from al Mujaru. Uh, you know, three attackers that killed eight people at London Bridge in 2007 were led by former ALM members, right? Uh, the murder of five at Westminster Bridge earlier that year was, was by a man who spent years associated with them. And there was also a link to the Fishmongers Hall, the murder of Lee Rigby. They, they started killing people on quite a, a drastic scale. And as a result, they obviously got taken more seriously. And eventually, Anton Chowdhury was, was caught in terms of explicitly supporting ISIS and the Islamic State and was arrested. And, and he, as you say, went to Belmarsh. He was let out um, kind of in 2008. And they really hammered him with the restrictions when he came out. I mean, we're talking, he wasn't allowed to speak publicly. He couldn't talk to the media. Um, his internet and mobile phone use was really restricted. Uh, you know, he couldn't mix with all of his old associates. There was even extra sanctions kind of beyond that that were linked to kind of, he was on the UN sanctions list. So he couldn't travel, he had his assets frozen. 
really, really tight. He also had a nighttime curfew, tags, you name it. This guy was a dangerous guy that, that they hammered. Um, now that's has kind of come to an end, as you say, kind of a few days ago at midnight, it means he's now technically allowed to speak again. And you're absolutely right, Nick, like, just because he can speak doesn't mean he should speak. <laughs> and um, uh, I'm really hoping that, I mean, first of all, we'll have to see. I mean, he's, he's been through quite an ordeal, thankfully, deservedly so. Whether or not he's going to jump back out and try and relaunch his kind of career in this area or whether or not he won't, we, we don't know yet. And then the second question is whether or not anyone will give him that chance, you know, whether or not any media outlet will be stupid enough to put him on telly again. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about was that uh, we've been kind of talking for a few weeks now on this podcast that the far right have been scrabbling around trying to find something to keep them relevant, really. Um, and do you think there's a sense in which Chowdhury could provide a bit of a mobilizing influence for the far right? I mean, he's such a, he's such a, um, you know, a, a, a sort of a, a a, a figure that do you reckon he could be really the kind of impetus that some of them need to, to 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 focus around one key point, one key target. Well, I mean, it's worth remembering, of course, that like Anjum Chowdhury and Al Mujahirun was one of the major catalysts for the English Defence League, right? As a reaction, and for many years, so much of the far right's activism around Islam and Muslims was motivated by the actions of Al Mujahirun. As you say, the question is whether or not that can happen again. I mean. It really obviously, of course, depends what Aljamain Chowdhury does and, and how public he goes again. And, uh, you know, there have already been talked about it, obviously, like Britain First have talked about Aljamain Chowdhury recently. Uh, Tommy Robinson or Stephen Yaxley Lennon has as well. So they're obviously all looking at it. Uh, of course, it all depends. If he becomes a big national figure again, then you're going to see a far right reaction. Uh, I'm not completely convinced as yet, but let's see. OK, well, thanks, Joe. Um, we're a little bit push for time so let's move on to the next story we're going to talk about uh, what happened in parliament square yesterday um probably everybody knows covid restrictions have been lifted as of yesterday um none of us on this show are epidemiologists um but i mean to me at least it, this seems like a, a pretty batshit move to get rid of masks social distancing and reopen nightclubs all at the same time especially since cases are you know in the tens of thousands but anyway there was a demonstration yesterday in parliament square which was some kind of uh, so-called Freedom Day celebration, um, but also I think there were elements of anti-vaxxer, you know, anti-vaxxer sort of contingent there as well. Um, predictably, it turned violent. I mean, there were eleven, there were eleven arrests in the end. So um, that's eleven people who didn't quite taste their freedom in the way that um, uh, I guess they were imagining. Um, can you give us a sense? Oh, of this is you're some serious dad jokes today. Oh, Nick. mate, sorry. I, I no, it really is the heat. I, I'm I'm struggling here. <laughs> um, I can't even keep it together. Um, can you give us a sense of what went down on the day um, yesterday, Joe? Yeah, a bit of a strange demonstration, as you say, demonstrating on so-called Freedom Day. Um, but yeah, a collection of anti-vaxxers, conspiracy theorists, etc. There was some bottles thrown. There was a few clashes with riot police. As you say, there was 11 arrests. Um, kind of Piers Corbyn was down there. So, which, which for those who've been listening for a while, won't be surprised. You know, he's been at the front of a lot of this. Um, there was a usual mass of kind of anti-vaxxers conspiracy groups. There was a few QAnon Q uh, signs that were spotted being waved around. Um, you know, I think it was kind of organised by this group, the Great Great uh, Reopening. It's funny, actually, Lawrence Fox went down, I think, if I remember rightly. And I saw a video where he kind of said, I don't really understand what they were all doing down there. So it's interesting that he was perplexed as the rest of us. But uh, yeah, I mean... I think this is a, the, one of those ones to watch in the sense that what's happening, what will happen to this movement as restrictions that, you know, restrictions on our freedoms have been 
one of the catalysts for this form of activism. What happens when those restrictions are increasingly lifted? Now, of course, things like the announcement yesterday that you're going to need vaccine passports to get into nightclubs from September, and those sorts of things will mean that there will still be energy in this movement. Um, so it'll be kind of one to watch. But there's also the, the danger, of course, is that uh, as kind of people fall away from the movement because there's less and less restrictions, uh, what you're left with is this rump that might become increasingly extreme, this rump of individuals that have kind of really gone down the rabbit hole in terms of thinking there's a Jewish world conspiracy or there's some new world order conspiracy. And so we'll have to see and, and make sure and watch that there isn't a kind of radicalization within it. But yeah, I mean, yesterday I wasn't hugely significant, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting to watch. Yeah, like you say, QAnon supporters, anti-vaxxers, um, other sort of pseudo-scientific stuff. Um, I saw a bloke walking around in a particularly bizarre T-shirt as well, which I, I won't bother repeating on the podcast. But there was also a, a protest on Westminster Bridge, I think, um, uh, against, quote, satanic ritual abuse. Um, uh, talking about MPs and pedophiles, sex offenders register and stuff, 160 MPs, apparently, according to this person who is leading the protest. Um, so, I mean, my, my question really, Joe, is uh, this is this is really a movement that's become a kind of a grab ba bag, a, a sort of bric-a-brac stall of of kind of reactionary politics and, and rotting brains. Do you think, do you wonder where this is all going to lead to? I mean, is it is it coalescing around any kind of particular viewpoint in particular, do you think, or...? Yeah, it's always been a quite a diverse group, right? If you look at the kind of anti-lockdown demonstrations of the last year and a half, it's been quite a diverse group with a very set of diverse set of um, conspiracy theories and ideologies and political perspectives, all kind of united around this core thing about lockdown and, and COVID. Um, the question of is how long can a collection that's that's disparate and diverse can it stay together? And as I say, that one of the things we're worried about is that the only ones that will be left are those ones that believe that there is some super conspiracy, some grand conspiracy, which of course requires a conspirator, which invariably obviously through history ends up being Jews. Uh, and so uh, whether or not what you'll end up with is this rump of individuals that are essentially talking about kind of global world conspiracies like the new world order, uh, and then just like things like COVID and lockdown are just articulations of that conspiracy. Um, that'll be one to watch really i think that could be where we're going the other thing of course is that it might dissipate right it might be that everything opens up covid hopefully at some point becomes a bit more of a memory and and the energy comes out of the movement and everyone goes back to their various strange hobbies and and conspiracies you will have to kind of see where it goes really yeah yeah absolutely uh roxy you've been looking into nigel farage getting this new gig on gb news mm, yes Yes, so yeah, Nigel Farage has just been given his own show on GB News. Um, a man who has been stirring up anti-migrant sentiment for years now. Uh, at the same time that he's given his own show, um, Guto Hari has quit after he was suspended for taking the knee during a discussion about racism towards black footballers. Uh, Joe, should we be surprised? Uh, what does this tell us about the direction of GB News? And do you think the mask is falling off? Yeah, I was kind of talk, there's a lot of people we're talking about on this podcast that I always hate talking about, right? Because because what they want is for us to talk about them. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, it's I, I think it's really disappointing that uh, it, disappointing, but perhaps not surprising that Andrew Neil has gone down this route. And you know, GB News seems to be in crisis. It's uh, viewing figures have gone through the floor, and so what they've done is they, it seems that they've turned towards the culture war to try and work on the basis that if you stoke up enough anger and discord people will at least watch kind of the more of the fox news model and so any kind of pretense that this was a more serious news platform i think is very very quickly dissipating 
I did think it was actually quite funny. There was a review of Farage's show in the Telegraph today. And just I pulled out this quote, right? It says, as Fox News stars such as Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson understand, what their audience want is not an uh, omnipotent newsman, grey and neutral, but a proper old ham. In, <laughs> Did you say in, old ham? An old ham. In, yeah, so, gammon's out. It, yeah, gammon central, is it? In that respect, Farage went above and beyond. One segment, for instance, was titled, What the Farage? <laughs> so, so, you know, he's at least giving them what they want. And, you know, I mean, it's all, I mean, in one sense, it's a bit comical and cringe. You know, they had the GB News pub, if you watch the show, where he kind of sat there with a backdrop of beer glasses, sipping a pint with Graham Brady, who was uh, chair, his chair of the Conservative Party's 1922 uh, committee. But, you know, you know, Farage was rolling his eyes about the EU flag and, uh, you know, talking about migrant crossings, etc. So in one sense, you can laugh at it and go, this is just cringe and embarrassing. But, you know, there is a problem. You know, Nigel Farage once again has a national platform. We can't, we shouldn't forget that he was sacked from LBC for like talking about things like conspiracy anti-semitic conspiracy theories and and this is a guy that shouldn't be having a national platform like this and so it is worrying and it is disappointing and it's definitely going to be worth watching who's on the show which guests he has uh, and kind of what they're talking about and see, seeing where it goes but you know i try not to talk about gb news too much because it's too depressing giving them more oxygen than they deserve that's uh Fair play. So from <clears throat> one person who probably doesn't need talking about too much more as well, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Katie Hopkins got deported from Australia. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard uh, this incredible story. Uh, Katie spent two weeks in quarantine only to be sent back on her final day of isolation for broadcasting a live video, boasting about her elaborate plans to break her lockdown rules. <laughs> um, I just feel like, it, again, it feels quite comical, but um, I think there is a serious kind of undertone to this, you know. So <clears throat> she's been sent back for, bre for breaking lockdown restrictions. What do you think this says about the state of play when she's sent back for that rather than being a raging racist, Joe? <laughs> I was wondering what the question was going to be then. <laughs> <laughs> what direction um, is she going to take this in? <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, Katie Hopkins is far right. There's no, there's no doubt about it. There was a time when we might have obfuscated about that and said kind of, where, where's the line? I mean, she said such ugly, horrible, racist stuff. She's far right. And I think it's disappointing that the TV... Oh, disappoint, once again, second time, I sound like an old man, disappointing but not surprising. You know, that Big Brother Australia wanted her on there, right? This is another example of, of TV people putting someone like Katie Hopkins, extremists, in, on television because it's good, good TV but it, despite the fact it's extremely irresponsible. Yes, I think it's funny. Um, I think it's funny that she kind of bragged about trying to be this provocative and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna flout the rules of the hotel and the front, oh, and she, essentially she was joking about putting frontline staff at risk, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's funny that she got hit with a fine and sent home. But, you know, how many times do we have to learn this lesson? Like we've talked about Chowdhury today, we've talked about a Farage on GB News, how many times are people going to put these idiots on television because it makes, uh, you know, because it makes us angry and it means people watch and it means that they get advertising revenue because we've seen where, what happens there, right? Chowdhury's the perfect example. So it's, it's disappointing, but not surprising. Mm, yeah, no, quite right. I mean, yeah, let's think about Katie Hopkins for a minute. You know, she's previously compared migrants to cockroaches, claimed the photograph of a dead Syrian boy was staged, claimed that people with dementia shouldn't block hospital beds. I mean, she's, yeah. She's a really ugly character, and I, you know, I think it's right to call her out for that. Um, Nick, did you have any more questions on that, or should we wrap up because we're 
I think we've gone over time, haven't we? Yeah, I think let's let's call it there uh, for this week. Um, thanks to both of you, Roxy and Joe, being great as always. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. I am going to go and get a fruit pastel lolly out of my oh. fridge, I think, oh, and jealous. just sit in front of a fan. Uh, oh, absolutely very jealous. Yeah, I hope you uh, you both stay cool as well, and uh, I'll speak to you very soon. Take it easy. See you later. Stay cool, See my ya. dudes. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Radio 43. Make sure you're subscribed and check back next week for another intelligence briefing. If you've got any questions for Joe, Nick or myself, or you'd just like to drop us a line, please send an email to our producer at jake at hopenothate.org.uk. And if you like what we do and you want to support our work, please head to our website www.hopenothate.org.uk and join our Hope Action Fund for less than one hour's wage a month. With your support, we will continue to shine a light on and disrupt the activities of the far right. Cheers.